Chapter 19, Part 3 of The Wonderful Adventures of Nils by Selma Lagerlof. Translated by Velma Swanston Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gerald Moe, Tucker, Georgia. The Big Bird Lake, The Lowering of the Lake. Wednesday, April 20th. It was indeed very lonely in the cottage without Jaro. The dog and the cat found the time long when they didn't have him to wrangle over, and the housewife missed the glad quacking which he had indulged in every time she entered the house. But the one who longed most for Jaro was the little boy, Per Ola. He was but three years old, and the only child, and in all his life he had never had a playmate like Jaro. When he heard that Jaro had gone back to Tackern and the wild ducks, he couldn't be satisfied with this, but thought constantly of how he should get him back again. Per Ola had talked a good deal with Jaro while he lay still in his basket, and he was certain that the duck understood him. He begged his mother to take him down to the lake that he might find Jaro, and persuade him to come back to them. Mother wouldn't listen to this, but the little one didn't give up his plan on that account. The day after Jaro had disappeared, Per Ola was running about in the yard. He played by himself as usual, but Caesar lay on the stoop, and when the mother let the boy out, she said, Take care of Per Ola, Caesar. Now, if all had been as usual, Caesar would also have obeyed the command, and the boy would have been so well guarded that he couldn't have run the least risk. But Caesar was not like himself these days. He knew that the farmers who lived along Tackern had held frequent conferences about the lowering of the lake, and that they had almost settled the matter. The ducks must leave, and Caesar should nevermore behold a glorious chase. He was so preoccupied with thoughts of his misfortune that he did not remember to watch over Per Ola, and the little one had scarcely been alone in the yard a minute, for he realized that now the right moment was come to go down to Tackern and talk with Jaro. He opened a gate and wandered down toward the lake on the narrow path which ran along the banks, as long as he could be seen from the house. He walked slowly, but afterward he increased his pace. He was very much afraid that mother or someone else should call to him that he couldn't go. He didn't wish to do anything naughty, only to persuade Jaro to come home, but he felt that those at home would not have approved of the undertaking. When Per Ola came down to the lake shore, he called Jaro several times. Thereupon he stood for a long time and waited, but no Jaro appeared. He saw several birds that resembled the wild duck, but they flew by without noticing him, and he could understand that none among them was the right one. When Jaro didn't come to him, the little boy thought that it would be easier to find him if he went out on the lake. There were several good craft lying along the shore, but they were tied. The only one that lay loose and at liberty 
was an old leaky scow which was so unfit that no one thought of using it. But Pere Ola scrambled up in it without caring that the whole bottom was filled with water. He had not strength enough to use the oars, but instead he seated himself to swing and rock in the scow. Certainly no grown person would have succeeded in moving a scow out on Tackern in that manner, but when the tide is high, and ill luck to the fore, little children have a marvelous faculty for getting out to sea. Pere Ola was soon riding around on Tackern and calling for Jaro. When the old scow was rocked like this, out to sea, its cracks opened wider and wider, and the water actually streamed into it. Pere Ola didn't pay the slightest attention to this. He sat upon the little bench in front and called to every bird he saw and wondered why Jaro didn't appear. At last Jaro caught sight of Pere Ola. He heard that someone called him by the name which he had borne among the humans, and he understood that the boy had gone out on Tackern to search for him. Jaro was unspeakably happy to find that one of the humans really loved him. He shot down toward Pere Ola like an arrow, seated himself beside him, and let him caress him. They were both very happy to see each other again, but suddenly Jaro noticed the condition of the scow. It was half filled with water and was almost ready to sink. Jaro tried to tell Pere Ola that he, who could neither fly nor swim, must try to get upon land, but Pere Ola didn't understand him. Then Jaro did not wait an instant, but hurried away to get help. Jaro came back in a little while and carried on his back a tiny thing who was much smaller than Pere Ola himself. If he hadn't been able to talk and move, the boy would have believed that it was a doll. Instantly the little one ordered Pere Ola to pick up a long slender pole that lay in the bottom of the scow and try to pull it toward one of the reed islands. Pere Ola obeyed him, and he and the tiny creature together steered the scow. With a couple of strokes they were on a little reed-encircled island, and now Pere Ola was told that he must step on land. And just the very moment that Pere Ola set foot on land, the scow was filled with water and sank to the bottom. When Pere Ola saw this, he was sure that father and mother would be very angry with him. He would have started in to cry if he hadn't found something else to think about soon, namely a flock of big gray birds who lighted on the island. The little midget took him up to them and told him their names and what they said, and this was so funny that Pere Ola forgot everything else. Meanwhile the folks on the farm had discovered that the boy had disappeared and had started to search for him. They searched the outhouses, looked in the well, and hunted through the cellar. Then they went out into the highways and bypaths, wandered to the neighboring farm to find out if he had strayed over there, and searched for him also down by Tackern. But no matter how much they sought, they did not find him. Caesar, the dog, understood very well that the farmer folk were looking for Pere Ola, 
but he did nothing to lead them on the right track. Instead, he lay still as though the matter didn't concern him. Later in the day, Pere Ola's footprints were discovered down by the boat landing, and then came the thought that the old leaky scow was no longer on the strand. Then one began to understand how the whole affair had come about. The farmer and his helpers immediately took out the boats and went in search of the boy. They rode around on Tackern until way late in the evening without seeing the least shadow of him. They couldn't help believing that the old scow had gone down and that the little one lay dead on the lake bottom. In the evening Pere Ola's mother hunted around on the strand. Everyone else was convinced that the boy was drowned, but she could not bring herself to believe this. She searched all the while. She searched between reeds and bulrushes, tramped and tramped on the muddy shore, never thinking of how deep her foot sank and how wet she had become. She was unspeakably desperate. Her heart ached in her breast. She did not weep, but wrung her hands and called for her child in loud, piercing tones. Round about her she heard swans and ducks and curlews shrieks. She thought that they followed her and moaned and wailed. Surely they too must be in trouble since they moaned so, thought she. Then she remembered. These were only birds that she heard complain. They surely had no worries. It was strange that they did not quiet down after sunset, but she heard all these uncountable bird throngs which lived along Tackern send forth cry upon cry. Several of them followed her wherever she went, others came rustling past on light wings, all the air was filled with moans and lamentations. But the anguish which she herself was suffering opened her heart. She thought that she was not as far removed from all other living creatures as people usually think. She understood much better than ever before how birds fared. They had their constant worries for home and children, they as she. There was surely not such a great difference between them and her as she had heretofore believed. Then she happened to think that it was as good as settled that these thousands of swans and ducks and loons would lose their homes here by Tackern. It will be very hard for them, she thought. Where shall they bring up their children now? She stood still and mused on this. It appeared to be an excellent and agreeable accomplishment to change a lake into fields and meadows, but let it be some other lake than Tackern, some other lake which was not the home of so many thousand creatures. She remembered how on the following day the proposition to lower the lake was to be decided, and she wondered if this was why her little son had been lost just to-day. Was it God's meaning that sorrow should come and open her heart just to-day, before it was too late to avert the cruel act? She walked rapidly up to the house and began to talk with her husband about this. She spoke of the lake and of the birds, and said that she believed it was God's judgment on them both. And she soon found that he was of the same opinion. 
they already owned a large place but if the lake draining was carried into effect such a goodly portion of the lake bottom would fall to their share that their property would be nearly doubled for this reason they had been more eager for the undertaking than any of the other shore owners the others had been worried about expenses and anxious lest the draining should not prove any more successful this time than it was the last Per ola's father knew in his heart that it was he who had influenced them to undertake the work he had exercised all his eloquence so that he might leave to his son a farm as large again as his father had left to him he stood and pondered if god's hand was back of the fact that tackern had taken his son from him on the day before he was to draw up the contract to lay it waste the wife didn't have to say many words to him before he answered it may be that god does not want us to interfere with his order i'll talk with the others about this tomorrow and i think we'll conclude that all may remain as it is while the farmer folk were talking this over caesar lay before the fire he raised his head and listened very attentively when he thought that he was sure of the outcome he walked up to the mistress took her by the skirt and led her to the door but caesar said she and wanted to break loose do you know where per ola is she exclaimed caesar barked joyfully and threw himself against the door she opened it and caesar dashed down toward tackern the mistress was so positive he knew where per ola was that she rushed after him and no sooner had they reached the shore than they heard a child's cry out on the lake per ola had had the best day of his life in company with thumbietot and the birds but now he had begun to cry because he was hungry and afraid of the darkness and he was glad when father and mother and caesar came for him end of chapter 19 part 3 recording by gerald mo tucker georgia